0: This podcast is brought to you by StormAven. I won't lie, I am an employee at StormAven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app, we're here to help you do
1: it. Contextual doesn't mean what we remember from 2014 desktop contextual targeting that, oh, this banner is, you know, alongside an article about whatever. No, it's about different games genres and being very specific about the genre of the game.
0: Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy, how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes. I am
2: very excited to be joined today by, uh, Ofe- I'm going to say it uh, the Israeli way, so uh, bear with me. Ofer Yudai is uh, president of Fiber and uh, yeah, Ofer, can you uh, introduce yourself quickly to everyone
1: listening? Yes, hi, Esther. Yes, yeah, so my name is Ofer. I'm president at the Fiber, the mobile mediation company, recently acquired by Digital Turbine. I spent the last 10 years in the Bay Area and the last 15 years, if you can believe it, in mobile advertising. I'm also the co-founder of Interactive, that Fiber acquired, that i think was one of the very first companies to do in-game advertising on Nokia devices and that's pretty much gives away my age
2: <laughs> it's uh it's uh crazy to think that mobile advertising has been around for 15 years it's uh
1: unbelievable yes. yeah
2: hard to hear out loud so you basically You've been in since the beginning um and i'd uh you know i think uh one of the one of the questions I have to ask obviously a lot has changed because I'd imagine you're not overly focused on Nokia devices today
1: <laughs>
2: what do you think is kind of the uh the biggest shift between how you're looking at mobile- adver- in app mobile advertising today versus what you were doing fifteen years ago
1: oh wow um you know I think one of the biggest changes in if we look at the context of 10 years for a second, uh, 10 years ago, uh, I remember visiting Mobile World Congress in in Barcelona, right? And people asked, when will brands like the brand advertising will jump and come to mobile? And every year it was like, this is the year of mobile advertising. Now it's the year where we'll see brands finally coming to mobile. Uh, We still have this vision and this dream of brands coming to mobile. And it's, you know, it's every year it's getting better and better. Uh, But nevertheless, what we see right now is most advertisers, most marketers are very much ROAS driven. And we all ask ourselves, how can we get the best results? It's getting even more uh, lighted up now with iOS 14.5, uh, depending when this will be broadcasted, you know, before or after. <laughs> I
2: think it's coming on Monday, so it's uh, it's probably going to be after. We're coming to you from... Uh... From the past. Yeah, it's about to drop.
1: So now that we have iOS 14.5 and IDFA went away, you know, brings up more and more questions. How do you balance privacy and performance and measurability? Because that's that's why we are here. And those questions are very interesting for me.
2: So let's uh I mean, let's 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 go straight to it, because we're talking about a shift that uh I mean, it's it's. The, at least uh, since I haven't been in for 15 years, but in the, let's say, eight years since I've been in this space, I think the IDFA deprecation is probably the the bigger change that I can think of that's, that's happened lately in a huge revolution. And I mean, making the move from user level ROAS, real time data to understanding what to do. How do you even how do you even begin to tackle the idea of creating value and and structuring efforts in a way where you're making sure that you're not use, losing retention because I think with mobile the big challenge is you know you don't have that immediacy the download usually is free the first login to the app isn't isn't necessarily the conversion that you're optimizing for so how are you even structuring that mental side of okay we're about to begin in a world where we don't have this user level data. How do we look at ad structures? How do we look at success in our in our efforts?
1: Yeah. So first I start by reminding myself that user acquisition is not going away. Like the notion of oh so maybe I should shift my budgets from iOS to Android. I mean those were like some of the preliminary thoughts when this was announced okay user acquisition is key for every business. So so with that in mind then you're asking, so what do we do? What are the alternatives? So we will have some user level targeting for opted in traffic. I personally think that those numbers will be very, very low, but very soon we'll see exactly where they land. But for some traffic where you do get consent and you do get the IDFA, you can use some of the data and maybe uh, extrapolate from it. But for the vast majority of traffic without IDFA, I think we need to start employing a more of a contextual view to targeting. And contextual doesn't mean what we remember from 2014 desktop contextual targeting that, oh, this banner is, you know, alongside an article about whatever. No, it's about um, different games' genres and being very specific about the genre of the game. You know, I see more and more marketers. Cataloging the the games and the apps in a very granular way, so the ma- marketers cataloging you know games and apps in a very granular way that allows you to better target against other games or other apps. So, for instance, if I look at hyper casual, which is one of those areas when you say, "Oh, what will happen to hyper casual?" I think that you know you have a very high level of uh, 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 affiliation between. Oh, this is a a tapped up tap, jump game. Tapped up tap, jump game. So I can find similar games to attach to it. So it's less about the user; it's more about the content. So that's one point.
2: So I want to uh, I want to make sure that I'm following this. It's basically saying, okay, we're losing, uh, you know, the the way we're used to targeting users, which is to ensure that we're uh, creating lookalike groups or, or using whatever data we have for that. And it's more saying, okay. We're assuming that, you know, user base X is located here. And this is the, the area that we're trying to uh to conquer. So let's make sure that our app becomes visible here where this user base is hanging out.
1: Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And and look, I, I separate between targeting and attribution because once once IDs are going away, those are the two areas. How do I target? And then how do I attribute what happened in the game? And it's almost like a separate discussion and there are so many, uh, you know, new tools and, and new ways to, to, look at attribution, you know, different MMPs are pushing for it. You know, I really like what, you know, Algolift are doing as part of Wangen now trying to look at, you know, how do I predict that? So that, that's, that's one thing, but on the targeting side, again, you have the context of the game or the app, and then you have the context of the user. Because again, to be completely uh, privacy safe and without uh, storing any data, I can still give the marketer a, a clues about the impression. For instance, what is the average a click-through rate of the user in this game? Nothing ID, nothing identifiable here. But you know, this user tend to click and engage with rewarded video. This user typically watches, you know rewarded fields to the end or not. There is a lot of information that can inform the, the advertiser in real time about, okay, so is it a CPCB campaign? Or maybe I should look for creatives that are more sensitive to clicks. Uh, for instance, part of the contextual signals that we, we, we share are what are the last ads, the last uh, uh, bundles or games the, the user saw. So, okay, and engage with okay, so this user is engaging with match three games. Hmm. I can use this type of information.
2: So it's it's essentially shifting the view of, instead of looking at things like in-app purchases and specific engagements that you lose that ability to share, you're looking at contextual engagement. This is how you interact with an ad. This is what happens when it comes in place. This is what we're looking at. And then you're creating, you know, it's different signals, certainly, but you're still saying, basically, this is my... My proxy for understanding value—the way somebody engages—if somebody's watching till the end and and skipping back through a video, you know, we've we've hit something. We've gotten some level of engagement. We have to assume that that's going to lead to uh, to the yield that we're looking for afterwards.
1: Yes, and you know, it's going to be interesting uh, for publishers with a healthy in-app purchase uh, business and activity. uh, Some of them may start saying, "You know what? So I, as the publisher," I know if this user right now is a top spender or not. The question is, do I want to share this information with the advertiser? Because why, why would I let this user go away? But but you can put a price tag and you can say, you know what? I can use my first party data and segment spenders from non-spenders in such a way and say, you want access to my top spenders? That's fine, but you'll have to pay a premium versus my non-spenders. And this is a way to use. First party data in the way you monetize your audience.
2: All right, I need, uh, I, I need more info here because this sounds super interesting and I'm not sure that I, that I followed all the way through.
1: So, again, uh, it's not sort of a matter of how the publisher is, is looking at the first party data and, and the audience base. I think the evolution of how publishers will monetize in iOS 14 and above, and how mediation platforms and different tools will come in place is to allow you to segment audience based on your first party data without, without sharing ids but still pricing them differently so again as the publisher i can tell oh esther just came in and she's a top spender i don't want to sh- i want to show no ads to esther whatsoever to protect her or i want to let only my non competitive advertisers to 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 be in front of esther and they will have to pay a premium because you are a top spender so like all of those decisions will be on the on the publisher side.
2: That's super interesting. No, I like that. So basically what you're saying is, you know, I can't control my targeting necessarily, but I can expose who my users are. I, I can control who my users are exposed to. And I decide, you know, I know who my whales are. I know who my casual players are. I basically decide what am I willing to share at what price and, uh, you know, kind of play. Interesting. I haven't, uh, that's actually, I think the first, I've been talking about IDFA a lot and uh, pretty sure that's the first time I'm I'm hitting this and I, uh, super, super interesting.
1: Thank
2: you. I'm wondering how that works. You know, if we look at the developers who are multi-title developers and kind of have the cross promotional network. Um, I have to say, I expect, uh, I expect more and more companies to, we, we talked about where hyper casual is going. I expect a lot of people to acquire hyper casual studios just to get access to a mass audience group and and kind of put them in their network sooner or later. How would that strategy work out in terms of your own internal advertising? You know, how do you look at, uh, your cannibalization versus your ability to grow within the network of people you've already required, acquired?
1: Yeah, and look, you're right. And we've seen it. We've seen companies out there already acquiring. Uh, because as long as it's you know the same company, you can share ID. So cross promo can actually work very well. And uh, I, I definitely see how you know publishers are now um, managing monetization, cross-promotion, inner purchase, special offers, and decide exactly per user what to do. The only point I will highlight is that where it gets tricky this data worth gold so how exactly i as the publisher will share this information with a platform and what will the platform do with the data and if you know this platform also has other businesses that may compete with my own business this is where it may get a bit tricky i'm guessing that's why we see more publishers looking at you know either Owning mediation, building mediation, or working with mediation platforms in such a way that creates like a, a like a, a world garden around the data. So in the next year or so, I believe we'll see more developments there as well.
2: Yeah, agreed. Okay. Anyway, we were talking about uh, preloaded apps. That's what I was uh, about to to ask you about before we were so rudely interrupted. I think it's uh, you know a really interesting avenue to understand. We talk so much about. Acquisition and getting users to download, what happens when the app just uh, exists from the second you power up?
1: Yeah, so this is like a fascinating area. I'm still learning myself. Preloads are so different than just you know buying on the open web. Uh, The experience is different. You know, when you buy a new device and you and you put it up and you set it up, you have a wizard where you can basically choose personalized content that will be ready for your device from the get-go. Um, but from this point onward, the discovery, uh, playing for the first time, you know, that's something we need to definitely educate ourselves. But it's a massive, massive opportunity, especially without ideas.
2: Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. If, we're, if we don't need to kind of create that, uh, that audience group, it becomes a really, uh, a really interesting opportunity. Um, is, it, is it possible yet in iOS devices or is it only Google Play?
1: It's, it's only Android devices at the moment. Um, you know, here in the U.S. at least, you know iOS is a very big piece, and we talk a lot about iOS, especially now with IDFA going away. But Android is a massive part of the market. We are talking about, I think, more than 60 million new devices uh, uh, every quarter or so. So um, it's, it's a big opportunity.
2: And then I guess the question becomes how do you get somebody you know first of all obviously you have to be somewhat selective in a preload right if we start and you open your phone and there's 600 apps you're not going to get the the power that you uh that you want so we've got to be selective there and how do we look at um how do we look at uh, you know kind of getting users to notice that content? So sometimes you'll have it on your home screen, and you still need that context to kind of push them in where you're looking to get them. Um, any any insights on that and how that works?
1: Very two good points, Esther. One, a very limited supply of the device. Right, we don't want to you know overflow the user with options. Also, the, the experience have to be smooth. Just, just there are just a handful of apps available at the device when you put it up. So typically the recommendation is for those evergreen games and apps. Think about the game that, you know, more likely to be played for a long period of time, right? If it's a solitaire game or or a branded match three game, probably more likely than a short-lived hyper casual title. Uh, But then you ask about how do we make sure that people notice? And that's the interesting part where I still learn every day about Digital the Turbine. There are a suite of tools to bring that game into attention. If those are notifications on the device, if it's about the remarketing and retargeting, so you play some other game and the ad will tell you, hey, did you know you have this game on your device? And deep linking to automatically open it up. So there are a suite of tools that uh, together create... Very high engagement levels, and from what I've seen so far, much much higher conversion rates than open web.
2: Yeah, makes sense. I mean, I'm wondering also: is there a way to uh, is there a way to use demographics there? I mean, when you're looking at, you know, if I'm imagining solitaire for example, my uh, my mom when she opens her device for the first time, she's gonna play solitaire. She's used to having solitaire on her digital devices. My younger sister. Maybe not so much. Maybe there's a better app oh, for her you. to see. <laughs> yeah. But well, she's she's married. She was a, a very young bride. But yes, um, you know, how do we... Uh, is there a way to kind of use, I guess, I don't know if it's based on on a login or, or based maybe on the newness of the device. Is there any way to customize and tailor and say, I don't want to be on every device. I want to hit this this demographic.
1: Yeah. I'll answer with a question because I don't know yet enough. But... What we are seeing uh, now with iOS and and look, I think Android will follow suit again um, with with Android ID, is the balance of power between carriers, OEMs, and the the OS. So we'll have to see how much data will become available from within the platform or from the carrier, and then what we as an industry can use again in a privacy way where we respect privacy, we respect opt-in and opt-outs, Again, that's something that we'll see in the next couple of years. This is not an overnight change, uh, but targeting it right now. Again, you can target just like you do on any other platform.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense, and I mean, I think it's uh, it would be uh, unrealistic to not stay flexible because I totally agree. Apple and Google don't; uh, they're not too far behind each other. Yeah, one makes one change, the other one's coming uh, within the next uh, the next year or so to make sure that they're uh, that they're on the ball as well.
1: I tell you what, I the so one point to remember, we talk about preloading, you know, what's really unique is, is the scale. Because for the, for the right advertiser, you can basically put yourself on literally millions of devices very, very fast. Like you are there, you are on the device. Um, it's very hard to replicate that scale when you buy open web, when you buy a network. I mean, you can, it's a matter of money, but here... Uh, the math works very well. That you can just preload on millions of devices. You can target the devices that you want, the regions that you want, um, and and you have a huge audience. That's quite remarkable.
2: Crazy scale, crazy scale. Yeah. And how do you? Uh, you know, I guess uh, the question is, your success metric has to change, right? What's the KPI you're looking at to understand if you've had the right success in a in a native app implementation?
1: Yeah. so I, I would say you know it, it does change from uh, advertiser to advertiser. We do recommend to have a slightly wider attribution window than you know just when you buy open web and there is a, there is a view through of, of like of like a day or not. Here, from the moment the device was shipped and booted for the first time, we should expect more than seven days, right? Until the user may open the the game or the app for the first time. So that's the only recommendation. But from this point, the KPs are the same. The the KPIs, whatever you have a a a a worst target or, or or kind of a CPA attention
2: engagement, yeah, everything comes down to
1: yes, it's the same audience.
2: All right, I'm gonna make you uh be a be a fortune teller for a minute. We uh, we sink back this time one year from now. What do you think? Uh, what do you think performance marketing looks like for mobile advertisers?
1: I think uh, we will see. We'll be here in a year from now. We will laugh about the, you know, a third quarter of 2021, how people freaked out after the the launch and how it did recover in Q4 and how Q1 is 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 much stronger. So I do see this in this wide U shape from starting, you know, now when iOS went away until we recover. And uh, we'll probably also talk about all the new channels that the uh, performance marketers adapted. If it's influencers, if it's preloading, just the media mix will change.
2: Totally agree. Totally agree. Because the second you, uh, you know, you've had, I think, performance marketing, the networks that have been successful until now have benefited off that immediacy, that real tangible ROI. And now we give such an interesting, an interesting case to the alternative channels that you felt like measurement wasn't as immediate it wasn't as as solid as before but you've missed you know many many developers i think have missed massive markets because they've they've been so reluctant to lose that granular piece of data and now you're giving you know th- that same chance you can discover all of a sudden there's networks that are performing much better for you you just have to be able to analyze it in a more aggregative way instead of, you know, incrementality, instead of that immediacy and that user-by-user feedback you were
1: looking for before. Absolutely. If to that point, I think, um, you know, uh, uh, ASO will be a big part of it. And you see also a part of uh, iOS point five more placements in in the search page and the recommendation page are now being, you know, you can trade. So that will be a big part as well.
2: Yeah, I think one of the things that we're also, um, you know, we've always seen the connection between paid and organic, Um, you know, on the ASO side, the more you spend, the more your rankings tend to uh, benefit and the more you're improving. And I think now when we're looking at, you know, you tend to acquire much more broadly or acquiring a different set of users, the connection between those two pathways becomes even more important. And understanding that pure impact, not just what you've been looking at until now, which is I'm, I'm in my Facebook dashboard and I'm looking at my ROAS per ad, you're, you've got to start to kind of force yourself into true performance, holistic performance behavior, um, which is, I think, awesome because now you're getting in a way more accurate, even if you're losing that level of granularity.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we talked before about measurements and attributions. You know, To your point, how do we measure uh, I, I can see how we are moving into more and more incrementality testing because we won't be able to, to point to a specific user, but I just open a new channel, just introduce some more ASO. What does it mean for me? How can I see the impact on, on my business throughout incrementality? A year from now, also a big part. So
2: now you're, uh, you're committed to coming back a year from now so we can, uh, so we can assess how, uh, how, accurate, <laughs> how accurate you went. Um, amazing. Before we move on to, we have a quick fire round where you're going to have to answer questions very quickly. But before we move on to there, you know, is there anything else that you think is really important to be said as we're at the cusp of this, this massive change that's coming into our industry?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm also intrigued about the uh, global expansion and like how different markets operate. We talk a lot a lot about North America, but you know LATAM and APAC are those markets in 2020 grew like crazy. And, and I also think user acquisition strategies obviously must be localized. So, you know, again, a year from now, I would love to see also how we adapt and are successful also in, in, in those markets, both on the monetization side to fuel the business, and of course, user acquisition. That's That's very interesting.
2: Definitely agreed. All right. Are you ready for quick fire?
1: No, but let's do it.
2: (laughs) It's not. It's not so bad, I promise. Um, All right. If you could give one tip to an aspiring growth marketer, what would it be?
1: Become good friends with the CEO and make sure you have some (laughs) side budgets for a rainy day.
2: (laughs) I like it. Um, Your favorite resource on uh, mobile growth?
1: MDM Mobile Debt Memo. Love it.
2: The best, um, who is uh, I guess uh, in California? You're 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 catching up on your vaccine rollout, so you're about to be able to go out to lunch again and meet people. Who in the industry is the person you'd w- most uh, want to take to lunch, and why? That's,
1: that's I have so many people I want to meet. I want to meet my team. I haven't seen my team for such a long time. True, uh, true. <laughs> wow, giving out my name. This is this is too hard. Bass
2: I want to I want to create a little drama in your day to day. Who can we piss off the most that you didn't uh, that you didn't put them uh, put them first?
1: I, I, You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll have a drink with uh, Adam for we congrats him on uh, taking up love in public. That's been an amazing journey. These guys started small, raised just a bit of money and against all odds, built a remarkable company. Incredible. Know he a drink and a dinner and I just miss the guy.
2: Yeah, I feel like he should he should maybe treat you because uh he's he's had a good quarter, but yeah, agreed. <laughs> um okay, the most important question, are you ready? What is your favorite type of pancake?
1: <laughs> I'm not a pancake guy. But, no. uh, I'm yeah, I know. Look, my my wife and kids, I mean, we always have that debate. But uh, no, but I will do a Nutella banana pancake if I would be a pancake guy, for sure.
2: That's uh, it's it's correct. Objectively, it's correct. <laughs> uh, so uh, I mean, I, I can't accept that you're not a pancake guy, but I can accept your answer is good. Um, fair. where can people find you if they want to hear more, uh, you know, kind of see what you're up to, Stock your uh, professional life?
1: <laughs> hey, hit me up on LinkedIn. I have a very catchy name. Offer you die. Good luck with that. <laughs> uh, just Google Fiber and offer. <laughs> uh,
2: and
1: and and if you are here in the Bay Area, uh, I'm vaccinated. Would love to get back to normality and meet. And Esther, I hope to see you in Tel Aviv. Uh, uh, soon as well.
2: I was gonna say I'm not gonna be flying for a little while, but uh, I I very much expect you to come uh, to come meet us for a drink when you're here. Hopefully, very soon.
1: I want to thank you for having me and for the little one to accommodate as well. But it was fun.
2: <laughs> Nava, you want to <laughs> say you're welcome?
1: She does not. But uh,
2: I want to thank you as well. You stole the words out of my <laughs> mouth. This was uh, it was a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to next year when we talk about. Uh, about our space and how uh, how silly it was that we all freaked
0: out so very much. Um, amazing. <laughs> and that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. To find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve app store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at StoreMaven,